This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. I think this is the perfect kind of beat, man, for the, the type of conditions we have today and what's going on out there. If you're in your car, as I said, take it safely. A lot of weather advisories out there. Uh, I think my girl just texted me. They put out a, a state of emergency. So if you're out there on the roads, be safe in this rain and this wind. Make smart decisions. Don't be out here like Fitty needing uh, corrective lenses and driving fast. All right. But this is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. On the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that text line and also hit that follow button on those social medias, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Westbryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail. You can send them some get well wishes there, at HTB underscore Josh, and most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter and Instagram. The text line is already jumping, and I asked the question before we went to break. When did you know that this season was not going to be good? Here in Carolina, the bagel guy checks in. Wes, I knew the Panthers were in trouble after that first preseason game, and Frank uttered the word vanilla. That's a great moment right there to let you know that, hmm, I don't know. Steven from Huntersville says, I knew the Panthers were in trouble when Frank didn't realize Thielen wasn't on the field for a specific play, and when he didn't know, TMJ didn't play for the entire game. Yeah, that is definitely a moment that will live on in infamy. Brian says the writing on the wall for the Panthers was during the preseason when I and many other fans disregarded the offensive line play and Frank Wright's vanilla post-game interview. And lastly, Big Cat Dan, uh, he gave us some of his coaching candidates. He had Nick Mateo. Uh, Brant Teals and a tie between Brandon Brown and Alec Hallaby. Looks like he's doing his homework. And for head coach, Todd Munkin is his number one guy, Bobby Slowick. Then a tie between Frank Smith and Mike McDonald. So let's get into this thing. When did we know the Panthers were in trouble this season? Because I came into the season, look, those out there, they know I'm not a, a, a Carolina Panthers fan out with my pom-poms and things of that nature, but I thought this team was going to be a playoff team. I thought they had a high probability of winning the NFC South, going to the playoffs. But for me, the moment when it really hit is when Frank Reich said, I'm not trying to put my players in the best position to win in the preseason. And I get that he tried to come back. He tried to walk it back. And he tried to say, look, you know, I'm just talking about the preseason. We don't want to show what we have. We just want to keep things under the vest. And I'm thinking like, okay, I've never, ever, ever heard a coach say, that he is not trying to put his team in the best position to win. Even in the preseason, you've got guys trying to make the roster. And so for you not to try to put them in the best positions to win, I think that's doing them a disservice. And I don't 100% think that that's what he meant. But that was just a very odd comment from a coach, one that I'd never heard. And so then from there, the other moment, I agree with the texter when he talked about the offensive line play. When they came out and played the way they played in game number two, not game one, because game one, when and, and the reports were coming out how in practice they couldn't block anybody. We know in the joint practices with the Jets, 
Nets, they struggled, but how much they were struggling. And then after that preseason game one, when we heard players and players only meeting after preseason game one and how much the O-line struggled and the offensive line coach barking on guys. And so I knew that, all right, game two, they may be a little more focused. They'll come out ready to go and see if they can clean it up. And when they didn't, I said, look, man, that's not something you can turn on or off. At that moment, I knew. I said, man, this Panthers team is in trouble because this offensive line has regressed. Fiddy, when was it for you? When did you know this team was going down a bad avenue? You go back to the Jets preseason game, the very first play of Bryce Young's NFL career was an incomplete pass that he had to throw away because the immediate pressure off the left side because Ikki Aquanu couldn't block anybody. You get shut out, which in the preseason, getting shut out, that's not, not the end of the world. Like sure. That happens in the preseason. But you're right. When Frank Wright got behind the podium and he said, I, I was not putting my guys in a position to be successful and make plays, that's... Maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard a head coach say. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing was, was that he wasn't lying, and they never veered in a different way the rest of the year. Um, you, you know, if you remember back in the preseason of an alley, Wes, mm -hmm. Walker was adamant that he needed to see something from the offense in the preseason. Yeah. Like, after all the moves they made, all the coaches that they hired, the dysfunction was very evident in the preseason that this thing wasn't going the way it was supposed to go. And so um, it, it's cliche to say we do from the beginning, but if you go back to the very first play, the very first game, we should have known right then and there this was going to be a long season. Yeah, and so Bryce Young, he had his comments. So when he thought the low point of the season came, let's hear from our QB1 here in the Queen City. You know, I think just just losing losing Coach Reich was was tough. Um, you know, again, it's a lot of lot of movement. You know, when, whenever people are leaving the building, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. I think that was definitely something that was that was rough. Um, but you know, through those rough times, it helps you come closer together. And, you know, we all felt that. We all experienced that together, and it, it brought us together and made us closer. Um, but you know, it, it was tough for sure. Man, so we've heard different players in coach uh, in sports referred to as coach killers, and I'm not putting that on Bryce Young by any stretch of the imagination. But to his comments, man, that's got to sting your rookie year, your head coach gets fired. And let's be clear. It was for no other reason. Well, there were other reasons, but the number one reason I would imagine is because there was a lack of development from Bryce Young in his offense. And so, you know, Bryce Young took that to heart and he was like, man, I'm the reason this guy's out of a job. So much optimism when Wright gets the job. He's got his rookie quarterback that he's going to roll with and they're going to see this thing through and win championships and, and, and make each other just as happy as they can be. And he's no longer here and one of the shortest head coaching reigns we've ever seen. And so that's got to hurt because we've heard guys referred to as coach killers in sports. And so that was one of the reasons why I asked the question, is Bryce Young going to be a deterrent? For some of these coaches, because I know that not every head coaching candidate is going to be as high on Bryce Young as others. They're going to be varying opinions from these different head coaches as far as what they think and what they feel about this guy. Because, yeah, it's cool to get the bag. And when you get fired, you're still going to get paid regardless. But these guys want to be coaches. They want to be head coaches. They don't want to get fired. And so that's a serious question you have to ask yourself as a head coach, especially as an offensive guy. You have to say to yourself, okay, do I feel like this guy 
is someone I want to hitch my wagon to? Is this a guy I can win with? Is this a guy I'm going to have job security with? Because quarterbacks are job security. There's no question about it. And for Frank Reich, if he was able to keep Bryce Young on that trajectory to where people were saying, man, this Bryce Young, he's having a little bit of a tough go, but he's coming. But when that wasn't the case, I think that the writing was on the wall that Frank was going to be done. What say you, Fitty? Yeah, for me, I don't think Bryce Young is going to be a deterrent as long as you hire a head coach that believes in him. And and Frank Wright can say whatever he wants, that that was his guy and that was a consensus. That was the guy they wanted to draft. When you do what we do for a living, we break down every little thing. We watched the way Frank Wright looked at C.J. Shroud and the way he looked at Bryce Young. And the way that, I mean, he was like me when I see a double quarter pounder. He was just foaming at the mouth <laughs> after C.J. Stroud's pro day. Yeah. Like, that was the guy that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And his reluctance to change the offense to benefit Bryce Young further proved that he didn't believe in Bryce. And Bryce wasn't the guy. And so that Bryce was forced upon him after he got the job. And so I feel like... You've got to hire a guy that believes in Bryce because if you do that and you build an offense that best suits him, he's going to remind you as to why he was the number one pick in last year's NFL draft. All right, so the text line is speaking and speaking frequently. It's 704-608 number says, I should have known when Quentin Williams was dominating on hard knocks and I stupidly said to myself, it's just HBO's editing. Okay, yeah, I think, how many sacks did he say he had in practice? Like 10 or something 10, like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not editing, big dog. Uh, 757 number says, Icky's first missed stunt block in that preseason game was it. Uh, somebody said a number typed in and said that uh, when Frank Reich hit the podium. So he said he knew the season was over with. Then uh, Real Tar Heel says when Frank Reich said that his guys dominated in the trenches, but they got beat badly. Uh, so people, let's see, uh, K-Town Mafia says, hey, Wes, if you're a head coaching candidate and aren't high on Bryce, why would you apply? Well, at the end of the day, it's because... It's an NFL job, and these don't come open uh, all of the time. And so when you have a chance to be an NFL head coach, you have to do that. And so uh, last text we'll read right here. Bebop from Rock Thrill says it's good to know that you're looking at it realistically there, Wes, because he is a red flag for any coaching candidate. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the one thing you can never underestimate is a coach's ego. And these coaches that make it to this level, Okay, what we got, Fitty? I feel like I'd hit it because on Black Monday, we didn't get to do any breaking news yesterday. Okay. But the Titans have fired uh, Mike Vrabel. Oh, wow. Out in Tennessee, of course, a lot of rumors lead him to New England if Belichick does part ways, um, you know, with with Robert Kraft and ownership. But to me, this, this has to be a guy that's added to Carolina's interview list, right? Like you're talking about a proven winner. He's tough-minded. He's old school. Um, was able to win in a lot of different ways in Tennessee. Led them to the number one overall seed a few years ago in the postseason. Yeah. Um, 
And so I just figured I'd hit that breaking news because no, if, that was big news. If if, if I'm David Tepper, mm-hmm. nine guys is is a good starting point. Yeah, you've got to get this thing right. You want a proven winner. You want a proven leader. Mike Vrabel is that. Yeah, four winning seasons he had in Tennessee, as you said. His first two seasons went nine and seven, then eleven and five, and then twelve and five. The thing about Vrabel, the last two seasons, seven and ten, six and eleven, his quarterback play let him down. There's no question about that. I'm wondering, he would definitely strike me, and this is just my own opinion, he definitely strikes me as a guy that might not necessarily be uh, in the Bryce Young camp. He strikes me as a guy that wants that big, strong, uh, strapping presence back there. You know, he's a defensive guy. I don't know if Rabel would be, but who knows? And he is a candidate that is worthy, and that surprised me too because they were talking about just the other day if Rabel uh, would be a guy that was going to New, uh, New England, like you said, where they're going to have to give up picks and things of that nature to try and get him because at that point it didn't look like Tennessee was going to uh, let him go. And so Reverend Herbaceous says Vrabel would be a nice hire. Now, also another factor in this that we have to consider, obviously, is David Tepper's penchant for fr- uh, for firing people quickly. I mean, is that going to be a huge deterrent? I think coaches know I mean, it might be, you know, like a, a gold digger at an NBA party. She knows if she goes in there and doesn't make the right decisions that she could end up with a check for a long time and not have to do much uh, with that. And so I think some of these coaches could say, hey, I'll go play for the guy. If he fires me, I'll sit back and collect my 10, 12, 15 million and uh, have to do nothing and then choose whatever job I want. And so, but that's another thing. It's like, how much do you want to put up with? Because like I said, the allure of that NFL job, that ego to think I can make it i can be the guy to overcome i can be the guy to turn this thing around but you think about tep man that leash is short and i don't think he's going to slow down anytime soon i think if the next head coaches comes in i think he's going to give them a little bit longer of a leash but i don't see tep being patient with the coach for more than a season and a half at most i think a season and a half and he's going to start to look at you with the side eye and get you out of here if he's not getting what he wants. It's definitely on the table. You look at perennial bad franchises, or Las Vegas, Cleveland, Houston. They, 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 you, you see you know, coaches turn over like an apple turnover at the McDonald's. Those are good. But um, <laughs> you also look at you know Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski survived two Bad years after making the postseason his first year. Fourth year now, he's got he's got the Browns back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the McNair family in Houston. Yeah, they wrongfully fired a David Cully, a Lovey Smith. They get D'Amico Ryans. It feels like he's going to be the coach there for the next decade or so. Um, so you you just don't know until Tepper proves to you that he's going to quit firing people. And it's a really hard thing to believe in. But you'd like to think that after back-to-back quick firings, he'd learn you've got to let this thing play out. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show.
our next guest, he will not make any of these mistakes. He will not need to correct himself three times in the middle of a live spot. He is Sam Farber, voice of the Charlotte Hornets, and he is uh, brought to you on our Body Works Plus guest hotline right that? now. Made, made up for it. Sunshine Sammy, what's going on, baby? How you doing, Sam? I'm doing well. You know, not much sunshine out today. Uh, kids are all home from school. I don't know how you guys handle well. You know, Jack, I don't know how you're handling this. Uh, Bone, I'm hopeful that Mabel is holding down the fort on her own. There you go. Yeah, my uh, my wife, her morning probably got more annoying. She's probably staying home with, with the kids right now as we speak. The other day, Sam, you'll get a kick out of this. I was I was leaving for my mom, so I, so I put football on for Mabel when I was leaving. And I said, Mabel, I'm going to put the Panther game on for you. It's on Fox. And she looked at me like, please. How just, dare you? And then I said, would you, then I said, this is an honest conversation. I said, would you rather watch the Red Zone channel? It goes from game to game. Tail started wagging. And I said, all right, we'll put on the red zone. That's a good call. How does she right know there. that? How does she know? She knows good football, apparently. She knows it. Um, Sam, last night, I mean, we got a – I mean, listen, it stinks. Six total players out yes, uh, yesterday. Cody Martin out. Uh, PJ's now hurt. I mean, it just never ends. Um, and it was another loss, although they fought well, uh, pushed it into overtime. But you got to give credit to Rozier and Bridges. These guys are playing out of their minds right now, aren't they? Oh, no question about it. They came, you know, they, they thundered down the stretch. Uh, Terry Rozier put everything in to that fourth quarter. I, I think the whole team did. They, there just seemed to be a bit of a deflation that they didn't quite get across the finish line. Uh, I still have yet to see a, a, a great angle of that last shot that Terry Rozier took. He was insistent at the moment that he was fouled, and I'll be interested to see what the two-minute report holds. But at the end, it doesn't matter that they didn't get the call. Terry Rozier didn't go to the line. They went tied, and, and Chicago made big plays to start overtime and get themselves off to a good start. But I think overall, a really A-plus effort, particularly from Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, and I thought Nick Smith Jr. and J.T. Thor off the bench both had big games. So uh, a lot of positives to take away. I know we're getting tired of silver linings, and, and I think fans have a right to be tired of it. But uh, if, you're, if you're going to a Hornets game, you want to see, you know, when I used to work for ESPN, people ask, you know, when I could do a game, who are you rooting for? And I'd say, I'm rooting for close. And I think as a fan, when you go to a game, if you get a win from the home team, you love it. If you get a close game, it's something that's at least exciting and bringing you all of that energy that you hope for when you go to an NBA event. Sam, we saw Lamelo go on a superstar run before he got hurt. Mark Williams was playing fantastic basketball. He gets hurt. And then Rogier, when Lamelo's out, goes on a terrific run for himself. And now we're seeing Bridges on a run, but it's not all happened together because of when the injuries happened. How, what would the ceiling be for this team? When you look at the way the guys are playing now, the way the injured guys were playing pre-injury, how good could this team actually be if all the parts were together at once? I think really good, and I think that's kind of the point here. You know, We're, we're kind of on two paths. On one end, we all thought going into this season that if all these stars aligned, which clearly they have not, you know, it's all been out at different times, which has caused the exact phenomenon that you're talking about. If they were all aligned, we believe that this would be a playoff team. And, and right now, they're pretty well buried in the standings. It's not insurmountable, but it's a big gap. And, and so that's going to be uh, something they've got to overcome for this season. But long term, it's all about getting stars and developing. If you look at Oklahoma City, if you look at Sacramento, it was not an overnight 
we draft one guy and all of a sudden all is right in the world. Uh, Sacramento, it took six years worth of drafts to get not even the right players, but the right amount of capital to get the right players in that they could have a big three that includes De'Aaron Fox, uh, up-and-coming Chris Murray, and, of course, Devonis Sabonis, who they acquired by dealing Tyrese Halliburton. Oklahoma City, they've had Shea Gilgis-Alexander since the Paul George trade. They've had him a long time. He's been recognized as a superstar for a long time, and they were still one of the three worst teams year after year because there wasn't a lot of help around him. Well, they drafted well in getting Chet Holmgren in. He looks like a stud in his rookie year. They got Jay Will uh, last year, a little bit more of a surprise at how quickly he's developed given where he was selected. But still, it, it took several drafts to get there. There's a belief that Charlotte has some of those pieces already with LaMelo, with Mark Williams, with Brandon Miller, and Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges are clearly playing at that level too. Uh, I know patience isn't something that fans want to be asked of anymore, but I think you can make the argument that you just made, that you can look at this roster and say, hey, they've got the guys that are already developing in-house, and it's just a matter of getting them on the floor together. A bone, a bebop from Rock Thrill. One of our uh, diehard texters is with Sammy. Says they could beat a five seed in the East if they were healthy, Bone. Bebop has not sent a positive text in in the last year and a half. So that's a, that's an amazing turn of events here. A very he positive about the Hornets if healthy, but thinks Bryce Young is the worst quarterback to ever throw a pass Sam, in the NFL, though. When you, were, <laughs> when you were on the West Coast, Sam, we had an idea because you do have positivity that sometimes we don't have around here. You would be a great GPS voice. Like, if you get in your car in the morning, Soothing. and Sam, you could guide us to our day in a positive, upbeat manner. Sam Farber, GPS system. I'm working on it, buddy. I'd be a lot less jittery as the GPS voice than our, our recommendation last week of the, uh, you know, sacrificial lamb and the wrestling circuit. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a better career yeah, for no, a this voice guy yeah. for a GPS. Yeah. Yeah. You right. could just add, Sam, you could just tell us there's no traffic. We'd be like, all right, Sam's positive right now. We got this. Sam, Far <laughs> Sam Farber, voice of the Hornets with us. He joins us. Every week here on the Mac and Bone Show. So, Sam, all right, so Bridges is playing extremely well. You can't take it away from him, man. And, again, it's because of he and Terry, and give Nick Smith some credit, too, that they were even in that game yesterday. But when you look at Bridges' situation, he only re-signed for one year. There's been the reports out there from Jake Fisher saying, oh, that the thought around the league is he's gone from the Hornets. He's going to sign somewhere else. The Hornets, you know, kind of – Gave him the contract after the issues off the court, and other teams will now, you know, now be after him, unlike the the last go-round. Do you think it's prudent to look and see what you could get in the trade market for him versus risking losing him? Well, first off, there there are restrictions on even being able to deal him. So so that's one. I, I don't know that that's, that's really an option for Charlotte. But I think the, the larger ramifications for the Hornets roster – uh, you know, in this whole rebuilding process, and this for any team that's rebuilding, the NBA is not about, you know, necessarily how much money can you give a free agent? Because, uh, I mean, if that were the case, if there was no salary cap, if this was baseball, LeBron James would be making a billion dollars a year, and, and every team, including Charlotte, would go after him. You have to have players on your team that not only represent the talent of the elite, but they represent the salaries that make sense for where they are. Terry Rozier makes a salary that makes sense for the kind of star he is. So does LaMelo. But outside of those two and, and, and Gordon Hayward for what he's accomplished in his career, there aren't a lot of chips 
that represent 20, 25, $30 million players, which is what a star is in the NBA. So you kind of have to let this thing develop. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't like to speculate on what guys will do in the offseason, but just knowing how the NBA works, there's not a lot of teams out there that are going to have that much money to give to a person who averages 20 points per game like a Miles Bridges does, which ends up in a situation like when the Hornets got Terry Rozier. It's either you choose to bring your own guys back or if a that player chooses to go somewhere else but wants the kind of money uh, that they're worth, that team has to deal something back. And so, you know, letting this develop, letting this play out here is the best case scenario, I think, for Charlotte because you will either retain a player who is an excellent player uh, and and maintain an on-court relationship there, uh, or you are going to hopefully have that type of salary still on your roster in a player who's worth it. And that's how you have the uh, flexibility to make deals. Right now, if you wanted to trade, Charlotte, let's just throw, you know, no names involved, but if you wanted to trade for a player who's averaging roughly 20 points per game, that guy is not going to be making, in most cases, 7 or $8 million a year. So, you know, it, it's very hard to make deals that way. And, and in any case, as I mentioned at the start, I don't think Miles Bridges is tradable based off the, the contract situation he has. I don't believe there's a scenario where you can really deal that player in the first place. Is there like Mac a, wants you to trade a player so bad? He's trying to get you. Hey, I'm just trying to talk through these things. Sam can shoot me I'm down gonna, every week. I'm just trying me, to talk through well, them. Well, Sam, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Gordon's coming up soon in the next couple weeks. Next week, you're going to try to do that? I don't mean to make you're, I'm not trying to make you're trying, me bad. You're right. Two guys trying to work out a deal here, you and Sam. Yeah, he drives a hard bargain. So, Sam, are you saying, like, what is what is it about the contract where, like, because I haven't heard that in terms of, like, Miles maybe not being able to be dealt? My, my understanding is that uh, someone who signs the qualifying offer is, is it's not able to be dealt. That's my understanding. Okay. Well, then, yeah. So he has to agree that, to that a deal, right? Off. He's got veto power. I think it is. I think is that think, what it is? I yeah. think so. I think so. He's I'm basically like a no trade clause on that. on that when you sign that deal like that. He's basically, oh, okay. He basically has to approve where he's going. Okay. I'm not trying to be I'm upset, Sam. Sam, you might want to cover your ears no, here. No, no, I have a feeling a team that is slightly higher than eight and twenty six record wise, he may say, hey, "I'd like to play there for a couple months." <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Sorry. All right. It's, it's a fair statement. Look, look, Charlotte has struggled. I think uh, there have certainly been frustrations all around with the way that the season has gone record-wise. But simultaneously, that's a tight locker room uh, that, that has really had a lot of chemistry and camaraderie over the frustrations of the last two years. And look, it, we're still about 60% of the season left to go. Uh, a couple of years ago, New Orleans, who right now is a really, really good team with multiple all-stars on that roster, they started the year like 1-13. Zion Williamson was out for the entire year. They made a big deal. They, they doubled down, believing that they had the kind of talent already in-house that they could build on. They bring in McCollum, and now they're a really, really strong team, one of the better ones in the Western Conference. So, you know, I'm not saying no deal is possible, but I, I would be looking more for the Hornets to add a significant piece. If you think you've got the building blocks in place, if you think in LaMelo Ball, Mark Williams, Brandon Miller, you've got your potential big three of the future, you want to add stuff, not take it away and re restart a, a rebuilding process that for many teams, it, it can never end. I mean, for a while there until Sacramento got Tyrese Halliburton, it didn't look like, Oh, they, they put the blocks together. It looked like they're never going to find that second piece. 
and that's what you want to avoid. All right, Sam, you are the man. We appreciate you. All right, so uh, what's coming up, Hornets schedule-wise? Um, uh, t- tell us what we need to know in terms of fans heading out to the Hive. Yeah, well, I think 13 of the next 19 games between now and the All-Star break are at home, so a great long home stretch, including tomorrow against the Sacramento Kings, who I just mentioned, and then some big Friday night games coming up on the horizon. Not this Friday, but the next one, the one and only chance this season to see number one versus number two from the last NBA draft go head-to-head. Brandon Miller's had an excellent season, a little under the weather yesterday, but still gave a great effort uh, despite being sick to help the Hornets into overtime against a good Chicago team. Uh, but he'll get to go head-to-head with Victor Wembanyama. The fans here in uh, the Queen City will get to see Victor Wembanyama, who's been one of the great spectacles this year yeah. in the NBA. So that that's a great one. And tickets for them all are available at Hornets.com. All right, Sam, you are the man. Thank you, brother. We will talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Let's welcome in and welcome back uh, for the first time in a while. Shame on me. Longtime sports columnist, uh, the great Scott Fowler, is back with us of the Charlotte Observer on the Body Works Plus guest hotline for the first time in 2024. Happy New Year, brother. How you been? Happy New Year, Kyle. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm in Lincoln County, and I'm watching the trees swaying uh, back and forth and hoping they're going to stay upright. It's been, yeah. a, been a weird day. <laughs> I'm at Mooresville doing the exact same thing right now. The, uh, it looks like the, the tail end of the storm is blowing through. So let's hope these trees hold because, boy, there was a lot of water dumped on this area here today. Um, mm. Scott, let, let's start with the Panthers. Um, th- there's so much here, Scott. You and I could do 45 minutes on the Panthers here today. We've reached the end of the season. They fired Scott Fitterer. They're starting over again. There's a list of candidates that we know that they've requested permission to to chat with, to talk to, and uh, I expect that list grows at least maybe by a little bit. What where do you what do you think of where they are right now? How are they positioned to go about doing this again? Well, I like the fact that they're uh, casting a wide net. Uh, and I also would tell Panthers fans, and uh, I think your listeners are educated and know this, Kyle, but this will not be fast. Uh, I think it'll drag on at least until late January, uh, given that you can't do in-person interviews for a large majority of these candidates until January 22nd. So um, my favorite is the same as a lot of people's. I would like them to hire Ben Johnson. I feel like the combination of uh, being an exciting young coach and having some North Carolina roots would be very positive. But there's a lot of good candidates on on the head coaching list. And honestly, I'm not as familiar with the GMs. Uh, This is the first time, though, that they're doing that simultaneously. Usually it's been kind of a stair-step approach. But I kind of like wiping the slate clean if you're going to do it. Honestly, I wasn't quite sure why Scott Fitterer wasn't fired right when Frank Reich was six six weeks ago and instead hung on. Um, Although I like Scott personally for sure, but 14 and 37 over three years, that's that's not going to cut it. No, it's really not. And uh, look, what do you think? Let's start with this. Sportsology. um, It's a company that exists to consult with and, and work for organizations to help them 
basically audit their organizations, become more efficient, and, the, and in this case, hire the right people. Um, what do you think about David Tepper turning to this outfit to help him do this? Uh, I don't know much about sportsology, but I like the idea of it. I think the hires are just so important to get right, and they haven't got it right yet. And Tepper's going through, this will be the seventh head coach he employs in six years, if you count interims. And so, I and I don't think he's used uh, a search firm before, uh, that I know of at least. So I think that this is one more uh, safety net, I suppose. I mean, one more place that they're gonna not going to be, you know, find a, a surprise that's not on somebody's resume very deep. I like the idea of it, and I think that uh, it's generally a positive sign. Okay. Uh, Jim Harbaugh won a national championship last night. He's Since the, the moment that game ended, and even before, he's been connected to, it seems, just about every single job in the NFL, except the Panthers, kind of. Um, there is a connection there. We, we think there have been conversations had in the past. But do you think, David, should David Tepper have interest in Jim Harbaugh? Do you think Jim Harbaugh would have interest here, and would it work? <laughs> well, uh, I'll take him one at a time. Sure, you need to have some interest in a guy who just won the national championship. And not only that, has been around uh, winning for so long in so many different areas. So I think you have to talk to him. You have to have that conversation if he will have it. Um, shoot, use Biff Pogey as your middleman, you know. <laughs> UNC Charlotte's head coach is Jim Harbaugh's best friend just about. But, uh, no, I think – uh, would it work? Well, I think Harbaugh probably will win wherever he goes. But would this be the place he wants to go? I think that's if he wants to leave uh, Michigan, and this isn't just another flirtation, which I think he likes to be wanted. So I think we've gone through this every year, right, Kyle? I mean, mm-hmm. always Harbaugh's rumored. And he's stayed in Michigan now, whatever, nine or ten years. But I think the ideal job to take, if you're him, is the Chargers. So that's kind of where I think that will land. But I kind of hope Harbaugh comes uh, into the NFL, and this is why. I think he kind of stair-steps the rest of the candidates down. And so perhaps if he does go to the Chargers, just supposing, then maybe that gives the Panthers a better shot at a guy like Ben Johnson. I, I don't hate that. Scott Fowler with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Speaking of the Chargers, Steve Wilkes has been requested by the L.A. Chargers to interview for a, uh, a head coaching position. I, I, I get these texts all the time, Scott, so I'm going to ask it to you and let you address it. D- does that conversation ever occur? Does David Tepper – I mean, we, he's got a defensive guy or two on the list, right? Mike McDonald, Dan Quinn on this permission yep. list. Uh, is there yep. any conversation with Steve Wilkes, or is that gone and out the door? I kind of think that ship has sailed. That's just my my guess, knowing a little bit about the situation. Uh, I know that Steve Wilkes, he interviewed last year, and I know he was perturbed, uh, as you might put it mildly, uh, when he didn't get the job after doing such a good job as an interim coach. So I don't think that's that's where that'll land. I mean, should they have the conversation? I mean, I think so. Again, I, I'm all in favor of casting a wide net. I think you should interview 25 people, honestly. I think you should just absolutely exhaust yourself. Don't worry about whether you hire them on January 23rd or February 5th. I mean, just – and use this search firm as a, as a research assistant, really. And just – and same with GMs. Of course, they hired – you know, they interviewed 15 guys before they hired Fitterer. So the casting the wide net does not necessarily mean 
it's going to work. But I do like the idea of interviewing Steve Wilkes, sure. But I do I think it'll happen? No. I don't either. Um, now, so what does the incoming, let's say, general manager-head coach combo tandem do with Bryce Young? Maybe a better way to ask that is, is, is David Tepper telling Sportsology, we're only talking to guys and, and eventually hiring a guy that are all in on Bryce Young, that want to work with Bryce Young? I'm assuming that's the approach here, right? Uh, I think you put it very well there, Kyle. Uh, yes. I, I can't imagine otherwise. He's on a rookie contract. Uh, he's shown some signs of some positive things amid a slew of bad things, many of which you would have to say are not his fault. I mean, a, you know, the DJ Charks, the, the one-inch line fumbles, all that stuff you cannot blame on Bryce Young. In any event, you have to give him a full year of a better team and see what happens. So, yes, I can't imagine they're going to hire a coach or a GM who says, yeah, we're not real sold on Bryce Young. We're going to trade for a mid-level veteran and start that guy. Um, first of all, that guy's already here. You know, you could start Andy Dalton, who's going to be back next year, too. But, no, you gotta you got to be all in on Bryce. That's got to be part of the – selling point and uh, and you know maybe that's going to knock some people out maybe they're going to say don't quite believe in bryce and so i'm going to go elsewhere but i don't think it'll knock too many people out honestly i think he's he's not been a total disaster and so i think whoever is hired will start bryce young for at least the next two years one more thing on the panthers and i want to talk hornets for a second dan morgan's going to get an interview for the full-time job uh, he's also already doing some GM work over there as the assistant GM. We were talking during the break, myself and Smoke. Uh, you know, Brandon Bean was the one that got away, right? Hometown mm-hmm. guy, came up with the organization, finding For success sure. in Buffalo. Yep. How do they approach Dan Morgan here? I've been asked a ton. Maybe you have too, Scott, by listeners. Like, well, hey, what do you think of Dan Morgan taking over? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know how many independent decisions he or Scott Fitterer made, and and that there was a dissent, that Dan Morgan had the dissenting opinion. I don't know what recommendations he made that were or weren't followed. I, I simply don't know. What do you think of Dan Morgan as the potential GM? A good candidate, I really do. I've taught football with Dan enough uh, to think that he certainly that was Fitterer's show, and Dan was brought in by Scott Fitterer, so I don't think he was going to disagree too vehemently too many times, but he's his own man. And uh, Dan, dating back to when he played here, um, I remember those days very well. He was Luke Keekley before Luke Keekley here. He was super smart on the field. People forget because his concussions overshadow a lot of how good he was. But, I mean, he was an absolute stud in that 2003 Super Bowl run. And, and, and he is – a guy who really, I think, now I don't know, is he the very best guy on that list? I don't know. But he certainly needs to be interviewed. Uh, he's been in winning organizations. This is really the exception, honestly. Uh, I think he's a guy who he'll have to present himself well. He'll have to come in with a very uh, aggressive plan and, and differentiate himself from Scott, right? Because now that tenure has gone down the drain, so you have to differentiate yourself. But I think he's got a real chance. Uh, Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer, longtime and legendary sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Hornets lost again last night. Uh, another fantastic night from Terry Rozier. Miles Bridges played well. So did Nick Smith Jr. Um, it, it, 
you've seen it all, right? So you've seen all the different iterations of Charlotte professional basketball, the coaches, the ownership, all that. Help me, if you will, to kind of identify what you think the feeling is around the Hornets organization right now. Because on the one hand, Scott, it's kind of sad and exhausting, and it feels like we're watching a coach and a general manager kind of play out the string. But on the other side, it also feels like the most talented roster that's been here in quite some time, and that the future isn't exactly bleak either. Like, Paint the picture for me. Where are the Hornets right now? What are they now, Kyle? Eight and twenty-six, eight yes. and twenty-seven. Yes. Yeah, I haven't. You know, the Panthers have taken up so much of my time. I haven't been out there in the last week or so. But my, I would disagree with you on the most talented roster in a while. I, I feel like they're average talent and uh, quickly fragile, and the injuries, which happen to them every year. Um, quickly get them down into depth where they're just not quite good enough uh, yet. So I think that roster obviously has to be improved. Um, and you got, good gracious, you got to get LaMelo back in on, on the court, right? I mean, that's the, that's the biggest uh, flaw in the current team, Rosieri. I mean, you just can't do it by himself. Uh, all that being said, um, yeah, I kind of would say that they're in a, in a, transition i would not be surprised at all if the hornets are hiring a new coach and a new gm in april um i think these guys do a pretty good job but i just the results again are are just not there so it's kind of a rough 2024 honestly and the thing is it's interesting you say that i don't think this is the most talented top to bottom roster but i mean you don't think the top end talent the the guys they're missing who aren't healthy right now the very top end yeah i mean yeah maybe you know if you go uh, i mean yeah if you or if you're just like your top taking, five or six say, guys. only four guys or, yeah. or six guys, yeah, that might be a, a 500 team there. But it just, you know, you never have your top five or six guys available in the NBA. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I think I read a stat. It's not just these guys. People get tunnel vision. But, like, Miami hadn't had their top five together for, I don't know, the entire year until, yes, you know, earlier this week or something. The heat, and yet they win every year. Yeah, you they know, do. they're just, it's, it's different. It's a different and it's, you know they don't have Dwayne Wade anymore or LeBron or whatever. I mean they, but they always have somebody. And these guys have, unfortunately, the culture is it's a losing culture right now, and it's got to be changed. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, last thing, ownership over there. We don't know much about them yet. Uh, we know who they mm-hmm. are. We know it's Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, where they come from. But they're still new, and uh, they haven't made much noise yet. They they are going to have to at some point put their their stamp on this organization. What, what do you imagine that looks like? What do you anticipate their, their moves will be in the coming months? Well, I, you know, in, in, in the sort of the same way that the Washington commanders did a little bit in the NFL, I think they probably have thought to themselves, we've got some respected leaders over here in Steve Clifford and Mitch Kupchak, and we're going to watch a season as a uh, uh, Harris did in Washington and watch a season and kind of see how it plays out and then sort of decide. You would, if you look at past history, most new owners then pretty quickly change over the front office. And not always, but you know, very often they do. They have put some nice stamps on it in that they signed LaMelo to a five year, $260 million deal. So that question mark's not there anymore. Uh, he's going to be here. But yeah, you're right. It remains to be seen. I'm very, I don't know. How, much, how well do you know him, Kyle? I don't really know him well yet enough to know where they stand. No, I had a good talk with Rick Schnall on the show one day several months ago. I know he loves basketball. I'm sure you know he's a big fantasy camp guy. Uh, He's been to Coach K and 
I think Jim Beheim and, and Jim Laranega, this guy loves to loves to hoop, man. I, that's that's why I'm excited, right? I think mm-hmm. you've got a guy who he loves the game so much so that he's going to basketball camps in his 40s and 50s. Like I, I think he cares about winning, and so uh, here's hoping that that's the the real top priority. Not that MJ didn't prioritize it, but I, I think that's the missing piece right now. But you know that better than anybody, Scott. I appreciate you making some time for us, man. We, we'll hope to see you again soon. Always a pleasure, Kyle. Have a good stay safe. Tune into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.